Welcome to Episode 7 of the Afterthought Podcast. The 2021 regular season came to an end and we have the playoffs to look forward to. Andrew and I are going to recap some highlights from this last weekend and on our featured segment, we're going to break down the upcoming game against Tom Brady with a Buccaneers fan. It's go time, baby. Let's get it. Seven of the Afterthought Podcast. This episode is sponsored by The Real Estate Guys. Listen, the real estate market is going absolutely nuts right now. If you're thinking about moving or selling, let The Real Estate Guys assist you with your next real estate transaction. Chris has helped me and my wife on a few real estate transactions ourselves. And let me tell you, dealing with him and his team was the least stressful part of the entire process. Mention the Afterthought Podcast to them and they will donate a portion of their proceeds to a local animal shelter. Check them out at www.thenewjerseyrealestateguys.com to learn more. Again, that's www.thenewjerseyrealestateguys.com to learn more. Andrew, week 17, putting a end on the regular season. How are we feeling? fine i think i think i feel i feel fine i i didn't really have too much you know i'm there there isn't too much that i'm really taking from the dallas game uh so it's you know big whoop they scored 51 points on our on our jv defense i think we had like a handful of starters who started the game but other than that it was just a lot it felt like a preseason game so you know when i see dallas you never want to give up 51 points especially to the freaking cowboys of all teams but you know this was just it's it's you can't really take much from this game so um i have no emotional connection to that game this past weekend i'm just you know it's it's just all streams ahead i'm just i'm looking forward to this upcoming weekend we finally know who we're going to be playing and um yeah man how do you how do you feel about the outcome how do you feel about our wild card round matchup yeah i mean listen we're gonna break this down later in the episode uh with an actual fan of the buccaneers fan base so really excited just to have an open conversation with that um but i feel really good about it i mean i said last week on the episode that's who i wanted to play like i mean looking at all of the teams that we have upcoming and all of our potential opponents like i had tom brady in tampa bay at first uh history sh- tells me that i'm a fool uh, playing Tom Brady in the playoffs is a death sentence to most teams, um, but it's something that I want to see. You know, thinking about that Dallas game too, I don't know how you felt, but the Cowboys starting their offense up until the middle and end of the third quarter seemed absolutely foolish in my opinion. I mean, just like you said, we had our JV team out there playing against these guys, and Dak Prescott is still throwing to Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, and and CD Lamb, yeah, I um, I I almost I was confused because I I had to like double check. I'm like, is Green Bay like does does Dallas actually have a chance at getting the first round by? Because I don't, I can't see any logical reason. Like I, I can understand wanting to keep players fresh and you know taking maybe multiple weeks off before a game. You know, 
could allow some players to get a little rusty. But yeah, it just seemed like there is a lot of room for disaster. And it's like, I don't know, like the only actually now that I think of it, the only reason I can see Dallas wanting to win that game is if they like saw the Eagles as the easiest matchup in round one. And I know that there was like a very, very small chance that the mm-hmm, Dallas mm-hmm. Uh, that, that Dallas and Philly would play each other in the first round of the playoffs. But the only way that could happen is if Dallas won that game. But like even with that being said, it's like I it just seems like there's too much. There's too much of a risk of losing one of your top guns. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're a deep team, but um, still, I don't know. I I'm glad that the Eagles kind of took it easy. I'm glad we got to see you know whatever. We saw a little bit more Gardner Minshew. I think uh, we're we're a couple weeks removed from any controversy that there was. That's completely old news by now. Um, so yeah, man, I. I it was good to see Devonte Smith break the record. I will say, at least, at least we got to see you know that nice moment. And um, you know, we had, we just started a nice little you know little Facebook page. We're really we're really stepping our game up here at the Afterthought with a with a Facebook page, baby. So if you haven't followed out there, make sure you do. Um, and if you we don't have your contact information, then that's awesome because that means you're listening without knowing us directly, and that's what we want. So keep spreading it. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, you had posted on that about how, you know, do you think it's fair? You know, I'm going to ask you this question first, actually. Do you think it is fair to give Devontae Smith the record being that there was an extra game this season? Well, we also set the all-time franchise record in rushing yards for a season as well, I believe, too, correct? That we did, yes. Yeah, I mean, we had an extra game. I, I don't, listen, you can chop it up any way that you want. I truthfully believe that if the Eagles started this season out getting Devonta Smith the ball more and us running the ball more, and it didn't take us a few weeks to figure it out, we would have done it well before week 17. But in my opinion, man, it's an extra game. It, it just doesn't hit as 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 hard for me, in, in my yeah. opinion, right? I mean, I, I we talked about this in the group chat. It's a little corny, in my opinion. And I don't know how do you actually right-size that stat. And I'd also be curious on how many times throughout the history of the NFL have records been upheld and seasons have been brought out longer or there's been some monumental change where the next season and you know thereafter people were breaking records. I'd really be interested in seeing a statistic like that. Um in other it's words, cool. how many, yeah, how many asterisk marks are there in the in the record book? Um, I actually, I'm, I want to read read you some of these numbers here. So before Devonte Smith, uh, Deshaun Jackson was the record holder for the Eagles mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with the most yards as a rookie, uh, as a receiver. So here is what Djax did. He had 62 receptions on 120 targets. So we'll start off with receptions and targets. Deshaun Jackson. 62 on 120 targets. Devontae Smith had 64 receptions on 104 targets. So we had two more receptions on 16 less targets. So going to give edge to Devontae in that category. Next, we have uh, Djax had 912 yards. Devontae had 916. So obviously, you know, with the extra game, hard to give Devontae the edge in that category. Um, Next, Devontae Smith had five touchdowns to Deshaun's two. And when you break down uh, average yards per game, uh, Devontae had 54 yards per game to Deshaun's 57 yards per game. So 
very similar seasons other than the fact that Devontae had three more touchdowns. Uh, their average yards per game were very similar. I was I was a little impressed, though, seeing that um, Devontae had almost 20 less targets um, and still had more receptions and more yards than, than DJX. Sure, but like, he played an extra game. He played one more game than Deshaun Jackson did. So that means that Devonta Smith actually had less yards per game on average than Deshaun Jackson did. Devonta well, this Smith is divided by... So this is his yardage divided by 17, as opposed to Deshaun's yardage okay. divided by 16. So we're still... We're keeping it parallel here. Okay, I mean, yeah, like I said, it, it it's, it's cool. It's great. Um, I don't know. I feel like every franchise just broke multiple records this upcoming week. It's, 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 it's not, it's not the same thing to me. Well, you know, thinking a little bit about, I mean, this game, you know, one thing I hate about this game is Dallas is going to use this again to be like, Oh man, remember how many times we beat the Eagles. I remember when we won the super bowl in that year and they played a meaningless game in 2017. And I was, you know, got into an argument with the Dallas fan. Like, yeah, well we beat you X, Y, and Z. I'm like 2017. We didn't even play like an actual game against you. Right. So they're going to boast that they swept us this year. They're going to get bounced first rounds of the playoffs, and it's just going to be how it is. Um, <laughs> okay, well, here's here's a thought-provoking question for you. Jason Huntley looked really good when he played against Dallas this last week. Do we keep Miles Sanders? Do we really need him, and what do you think we can get for him? What are your thoughts on that? Huntley looked good. Um, I'm very much in the mindset and I may have mentioned this before, but I don't want to go as far as to say that running back is the least important position, but it is definitely the most replaceable position mm. in my mind. And I think that, honestly, I would be fine with the blueprint of never drafting a running back anywhere in like the top three or four rounds. And, you know, it's like Corey Clement. I, what was he, a seventh round pick or undrafted? Um Boston Scott, you know, none like Miles Sanders was a second round pick. And when you draft someone that high, it's like, you're going, you're going to play them. And Miles Sanders is super talented. I love, you know, I like watching him play despite some of the boneheaded things he's done over the course of the season. He still is explosive. He, he's a rock solid running back, but it's like, I think the Eagles are more about the offensive line than they are about necessarily the, the, the player running the ball. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say like they could put you or me back there and we'd have success, but it does feel very much like their running game is so strong that if they just have somebody who's capable, uh, doesn't need somebody who can light the world on fire. Yeah. If you can get anything from Miles Sanders, if you can get any, any value in return by selling a running back, I, I just, again, I feel like it's like the most replaceable position. I would rather be strong and deep elsewhere like offensive line or defensive line or you know even just receivers who can catch the ball <clears throat> oh we have to add another guy to the hate list after after this past week uh Ortega Whiteside dropping balls that are right in his freaking oh my hands goodness, these, these guys play football for a living they play football for a living anyway let's not get I'm not gonna get off track <laughs> um so so yeah um I like my uh, yeah yeah like, I like Miles Sanders, but if we got rid of him, I wouldn't be upset because I know the next man up would have success too. I sort of agree with you because with the Eagles, it does seem like if you put whoever you have back there, that they'll be successful, right? Boston Scott, 
Jordan Howard. Um, now we're talking about Jason Huntley. Other fan bases don't know who these guys are, unless like you have some sort of knowledge of the Philadelphia Eagles. But I will say there are teams that also do build around their running back. And when they go down, it's extremely detrimental to their season. I'm thinking of Christian McCaffrey. Chuba Hubbard is not going to be the next Christian McCaffrey, right? CMC is the only CMC. The the Tennessee Titans look like mere mortals after Derrick Henry went down. I actually think Tennessee is one of my Super Bowl favorites because it looks like Derrick Henry is coming back in the playoffs. And um, quick you look note, at- they, they got the number one seed in the AFC without somehow without Derrick Henry, without their literally oh over half of their offense. They still locked up the number one overall seed, which is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Well, think about how many records Derrick Henry would have broken if he played an extra week of football, too, Andrew. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts? Kind of just like going back to that, like what are your thoughts on the extra week and all these records being broken? Do you share the same sentiment as me? Do you think a record's a record? What do you think? It's hard. You know, it's like because it's not the player's fault that the rules changed, but I do think that like, yeah, there should be an asterisk or there there needs to be two different sets of records because – the reality is, like you've been saying, if there is an extra game of the season, you know, that's that is an unfair advantage. Now, the only thing I am not sure of and I should have uh, maybe done a little research is like, did Devontae, did he miss any games this season? Because that's another thing. It's like, even though there was an extra game of the season, you know, they may have both played. And, and that's so uh, now I don't know, because it's like, well, what if they played the same number of snaps? But I guess it's still not fair because there's the extra game because I. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I like, I think I want to just give Devonte credit because I love the guy. Um, I love Deshaun Jackson too, but um, yeah, it's just like, I guess I, I, I want to celebrate this more than it deserves to be celebrated. I suppose. <laughs> I well, thinking of celebration, what are your thoughts on what happens in <laughs> Jacksonville? This last, I knew you were going to go there. Or and the thing that's crazy yeah. is, is I shared a meme And it said, here is a ridiculous scenario that if the Colts somehow lose to Jacksonville, both the Raiders and the Chargers could kneel out and both get into the playoffs. And by golly gosh, both things almost happened yesterday. One of them did. Dude, yesterday was insane. It was. I am... Like I swore when we talked last week that the Colts were a 98% chance of making the playoffs. I can't they were. Believe. They were. I'm looking at the chart that you have in our in our call <laughs> sheet and it's right there. Like um it is a 97% chance to make the playoffs and 11% chance to win the division. Like that is that is like the most exciting end to a season for an Eagles fan. This, this like this Despite, you know, despite the the hate of of Carson Wentz and just kind of like that the ugly situation, him leaving town. Um, but just like them missing the playoffs and thus giving us a better draft pick on top of everything else is just it's just poetic. It's beautiful. It was it, like <laughs> I have a, I have a quick trivia question for you while, while we're on the topic. Do you know how many do you know how many passing yards Carson Wentz has in, in his playoff career? Three. Did you look that up earlier today? Because that's no. correct. <laughs> no, and, and 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 here here here's my message to all of like the Carson Wentz sympathizers out there. And listen, I was one of the last people to to jump off of the Carson Wentz bandwagon for a little bit. 
a lot of people constantly bring up what he did in 2017. And there is absolutely no argument from me that Carson Wentz helped us win a Super Bowl and did a lot of the heavy lifting and Nick Foles put a bow on it. But time and time again, Carson Wentz did not show up when it mattered. Regardless if it's him being reckless with his body or him making poor decisions. And we've seen it even in Indianapolis, right? This team is relatively unchanged from last year. And they had Phillip Rivers in his last year about to retire playing in Wild Card Weekend last year. I remember watching that game. Carson Wentz couldn't do it against a 2-14 and 14 Jacksonville Jaguars team where they, they don't have a head coach. The whole entire team is a mess. They have literally nothing to play for. And you lost to a team that beat you, and they still have the first-round pick heading into next year's draft. <laughs> Good things just follow the Colts when they're on the opposite side of things. Like, the Jaguars beat them, and even still beating them, they hold on to the number one overall pick next year. It's like, it's it's all beautiful. Um, I, you know... It, I, I'm shocked. Like, I don't know what else to say. I really, like, I thought that Wentz actually looked good this year. And I really thought that the Colts, I thought that they were going to, like, be a pretty tough team to contend with in the playoffs. Um, I mean, they have the best, arguably the best running back in the league. If not, you know, him him and Derrick Henry might be, the, are probably the top two, Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. Um, you know, they have good receiving options. They have a solid defense. And it's just incredible like oh karma is such a biatch i you know like it's a freaking amazing like i can't believe they didn't make the playoffs it's it's insane it's absolute but all right there was even but there was even more madness yesterday like let's switch let's switch gears to last night's game because just when you thought things couldn't get any freaking crazier um the scenario sets itself up last night where if the Chargers, the Chargers and Raiders are playing, there's a playoff spot available. If one team wins and one team loses, the Steelers make it. However, if both teams, if the Raiders and the Chargers tie, then they both make it and the Steelers don't make the playoffs. I don't know how many people out there watched the game, but I can honestly say it was probably, it was one of the top five football games I've ever watched. Ever. Especially just ever. ever. Just con- considering the scenario, like, that game would go into overtime. You know what I mean? Like, like how, like it's, you could not have written the script any better to the point where it almost seemed like it was scripted. Like, I can't blame people Mm -hmm. for being like, Oh, it's a hoax. Like the NFL's rigged, you know, like there's one small percentage, you know, scenario where both teams make the playoffs and they have to tie. And of course now we're going into overtime. And that was after the chargers were down, what, 15 points with like four minutes left in the game. Justin Herbert, converted like six straight fourth downs in order to keep <laughs> yeah. them alive. Like what in the heck? What were your thoughts, man? I want to know like what you were thinking as you were watching that game. Dude, I, I kind of almost felt like the same way, like what you said about like the NFL scripting games. Like you couldn't have thought of it, it, 
like the announcers were even bringing attention to it the whole time about how if it ends in a tie, how if it ends in a tie. And then they're zooming in on like the only one person wearing a Steelers jersey in the entire stadium. Oh, so and like this guy's hyperventilating. <laughs> he was so, so, and like he knows who he is. There's the only guy that would go to a Raiders Chargers game on the day that the Pittsburgh Steelers needed to win against the Baltimore Ravens. And the two teams that you didn't want to tie are entering overtime at a tie score after Justin Herbert converts, like you said, six fourth down plays. You couldn't have written a better script for that. It was incredible. And you know what? If the NFL is scripted, then let me be blissfully ignorant because (laughs) that was entertainment and I would watch that all day. I, I kind of get why people watch WWF and all of that fake fighting stuff. I mean, but it's it like, was incredible. Not only does the game go into overtime, but then the Raiders get the ball first. They kick a field goal. Then the Chargers get the ball, come right back and kick a field goal. At this point, there's just a couple minutes left in the game. I think uh, uh, the Raiders were at about the fifth, uh, right around midfield with like under two minutes to go. And it just like very much seemed like, holy crap, this game is really going to end in a tie. Like there is no reason for either team to take a timeout here. And then for whatever reason, this is, was just wild. Yeah. There's like 30, 30 something seconds left in the game. And, and the chargers decide to call a timeout. And if they didn't call that timeout, the Raiders may have just let the clock run out. Like I know Derek Carr talked about it in the post game interview. I don't know how true it is, but he said like the chargers calling the timeout made them kind of, reassess what they were going to do and they ran the next play and they picked up a big chunk of yards and they set themselves up for a, a totally you know makeable field goal and then boom charger season over Steelers still alive just yeah. unbelievable I mean they were talking about it too like I saw the conversations today like around circling like yeah they were going to <laughs> let the clock run out to nothing and that meme that we shared a week ago would have come to life. Who would have thought a 97% Colts team not making the playoffs? The Steelers, who I actually think I wrote off their fate last week in the episode, making the playoffs. And it's high scenario almost happening. Before we head into our breakdown and analysis of the Tampa game, I want to share with our listeners the upcoming schedule we have this weekend. And maybe let's just do a quick pick em on who you think is going to win this game. Uh, we'll break it down next week. We'll talk about it a little bit. Hopefully it won't be the Eagles last week in here. So why don't we save the Philly and Tampa Bay pick um, for the second half of the episode. But you have the number five Vegas Raiders at the number four Bengals. Who do you think is going to win that one? And that's at 430 on Saturday. I think the Bengals are going to like wallop. I think they are going to just absolutely destroy the Raiders like by at least by two touchdowns. That's my, that's my bold prediction so far, but yeah, love the Bengals this weekend. I agree. I'm, I'm really rooting for the Raiders. They've had a ton of adversity this year. They've overcome the odds. They're in a division that's constantly overshadowed by the chiefs. I don't know if they're going to have the juice to get it done. I think in maybe some different circumstances. Cincy, let's do the next one's kind of quick. New England at Buffalo, 815. That's going to be a bloodbath. Um, Chris said that last week. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that one? Oof. Um, I, I, if I recall correctly, I believe both of these teams, 
uh, when they so they played each other twice this year and each has beat each other on the road. So that would give New England the advantage because they're on the road against Buffalo. But I'm going to say third time's a charm. I think Buffalo is going to take this one at home just because, um, you know, just because their quarterback's a little bit more seasoned than than uh, than Mac Jones. Um, but that's going to be I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I'm taking you? New England's on that one. Uh, Bill Belichick in the playoffs. I think Mac Jones has a lot to play for here. I don't think Buffalo's as good as they appear to be. The San Francisco 49ers, who have just been playing red hot recently against the Dallas Cowboys, who, in my opinion, have been digressing a lot. I'm going to take San Francisco at Dallas, Um, not because I want to see it, but I don't think Dak is going to be able to do anything against a non-JV defense. That's fair. Um, and, And real quick, we should also mention like on the topic of the wild crap that happened yesterday, um, San Francisco almost didn't make the playoffs because they needed to win. Um, and they were down 17 to nothing before coming back to beat the Rams, which is a really, really good team. Um, and the saints won their game. So if San Fran lost, they would have been out of the playoffs. Um, I am going to take Dallas. I, I don't love Jimmy G as a quarterback. Um, I'll tell you what, though, I think I'm like looking the most other than the Eagles game. I'm looking the most forward to this game. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a really good one, but I'll take that. I I agree. Sunday's slate is good. I mean, the whole weekend is going to be incredible. Um, 815 Pittsburgh at Kansas City. I don't think there's much explanation here. I think the Chiefs are absolutely going to destroy Pittsburgh Uh unless you feel differently here. Pittsburgh's I can't believe Pittsburgh in the playoff. Big Ben sucks like they're like he is a dead man. (laughs) He's like. The guy has nothing left in the tank. It's just incredible that he's. I feel like they're like they have to like weekend at Bernie him out there. Like, I he is literally on his last legs. I can't believe they're in the playoffs. They have looked so bad at times this year. But yeah, love love Kansas City to destroy them. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be by more than ten. I, I I would be surprised if the spread was like less than twelve points on that game. And then Monday, right? Because we now have two new wild card teams. So now we have Monday as part of. Super wild card weekend, 815 Arizona at LA. I think I like mm. it's gonna yeah, be close. Is... It's gonna it's gonna be a two-point game. I, I, I think it's gonna be Los Angeles. I I just don't know if Kyler is going to be able to do enough against that Rams defense. I just feel they're just going to have a slight edge. But this could also be a game where Stafford's going to throw three picks and they just don't look at it. It's going to be a close one. I'm really looking. I'm looking forward to all of these, honestly. But I think LA. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to give these a slight edge to Arizona, even though they're on the road. I, yeah, you know, something about Stafford. It's just like he, Jekyll and Hyde. He can either look like he can look like such a stud out there, or he can, you know, make some Carson Wentz type decisions. So um, I'm gonna. I'll split there with you, and I'm. I'm gonna go with Arizona. Anyway, looking forward to to this weekend, man. It's going to be crazy. But coming up next, we have our featured segment, Behind Enemy Lines. We're going to welcome on another Chris. Not the same, not New England Chris. This is Tampa Bay Chris. And we're going to to get his take on uh, this upcoming weekend's game, Eagles-Buccaneers. Stay tuned. This is... Behind enemy lines. 
right, and welcome to Behind Enemy Lines. On today's episode, we have one of my buddies, Chris Sivchek, is joining us. Chris, how are you today? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man. No, happy to have you on the show. So Chris and I play a ton of intramural sports together. Uh, Chris is also one of the very few Buccaneers fans that I know that is actually a loyal Bucks fan. Chris, why don't you give us a little bit of background into your Bucks fandom? Because it's a little bit interesting. I remember you sharing it with me. Yeah, of course. So me and my brother are very competitive. And when we were growing up, I was around eight years old in 2003. Uh, we were flipping through the channels of the TV, and just so happened that the Eagles Bucks NFC Championship game was on the TV. And obviously, as competitive brothers, we're we're choosing who we're going to pick. And my brother chose the Eagles, and I feel like I can remember running up to the screen and being saying, "You know, I like this pirate ship. I'm going to pick them." <laughs> and and that's pretty much how it happened. And we flipped over to the next channel, and then ten years later. I think I, I did some research, found out the Bucks Ronde Barber with a pick six to, to pretty much seal the game. And then they won the Super Bowl that year. So I think little me pretty much said, this is this is the team that you're going to pick. I mean, listen, we all have an innate ability to hate the opposing fan base and teams that we're coming on. But ladies and gentlemen, Chris really is the real deal when it comes to this. Uh, he came, we played in a volleyball league together, and he's come multiple times dressed up in Buccaneer shirts or, you know, whatever apparel. And this was in the Jameis Winston era when he's throwing like, you know, four touchdowns, but also three picks in a game. So Chris is the real deal. There's nothing we hate more than a bandwagon fan. And I don't think that you are a bandwagon fan. You've been in this fan base for a little bit, even if it came from, hey, I really like this pirate ship or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Now, wait a second. It's... Can I chime in here for a second? Because <laughs> now I I had a Warwick Dunn Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey when I was younger. I remember like in like pictures from like my fifth grade yearbook, I had I was wearing that jersey. But I drew the line somewhere. I still... You know, I could appreciate a good uniform. I could still appreciate another team if the Eagles didn't make it. But, like, that pick six by Rondé Barber that year, like, I think Joe Jaravicious, like, destroyed us. I, like, I might have cried after that game. Like, that was <laughs> so heartbreaking as, like, a 12-year-old me. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. So, so what we're going to talk about today on our episode or on our segment here, rather that is we are going to break down the upcoming playoff game that we have against the Buccaneers. So what we're going to share with you today are some areas that we think um, we have, right? So what are things that we have that we have going into our advantage? We're going to hear this from the perspective of Chris as well. And what are some areas that we think that we can improve upon or what worries us about the game? We'll close this out with some predictions. So let's start with you, Andrew. Um, heading in, going into Tampa Bay, having the opportunity to see TB12 again. What are your thoughts? What are your keys to the game for success? What are some things that concern you? All right. Well, straight up, without wasting any time, I don't think the Eagles are going to win. And yeah. if they do win, I will be I'll be very impressed. Um now, like we, we played Tampa Bay earlier this season, and I felt like we played them pretty well. Uh, I think there was like a pretty close game, like 28, 22 or something, something around there. So it, 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 
it might have been one of those games where like the fourth quarter, like the Eagles may have just got a couple just like garbage time points and maybe it wasn't yeah. as close as what the score indicated. Um, look, like the Eagles have allowed the highest completion percentage to opposing quarterbacks this year. And, you know, the way that Gannon has kind of like ran this defensive scheme, you know, he kind of leaves some room for for quarterbacks to throw underneath. And, um, you know, we kind of just take out the deep ball. On one hand, like the Eagles are in luck because, you know, there's no Antonio Brown and there's no Chris Godwin. So right now you're looking at Mike Evans and you're looking at Gronkowski as like the two guys that you're going to have to figure out a way to cover. I think you can probably match Darius Slay up with Mike Evans. Um, I don't there. We definitely do not have a linebacker that's going to be able to cover Gronk. And I don't care how old Gronk is or how much, you know, mileage he has on his body. The guy can still freaking play. Um, I actually had him as a fantasy player this year. I drafted him super late as my number two tight end. And that was highly beneficial. Um, So, yeah, like in order for the Eagles to win this game, they're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to win the game in the trenches. Like, I know it's cliche, but like the their run game is going to have to be as good as it's been all season. And um, like Tampa Bay has like arguably like the second best defensive tackle, uh, Vita Vita Vea. Like that dude, that dude clogs up holes. If you know what I'm, yeah. if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, so like, you know, if, if, if the offensive line isn't able to do their thing, then it's going to be a long day. Um, I don't see it being a very high scoring game. Uh, so I like Tampa Bay in like a 24 to 17, like a good game. I think, I think the Eagles are going to hold their own, but I think overall, I just think that like Tom Brady's just, just too good. Yeah. I, I, I can't say that I disagree with you on a lot of those points. Um, to kind of continue that, um, I was actually looking through Tom Brady's stats today in hopes to find an anomaly. And the anomaly was actually the game he played against us. Tom Brady had a season-high completion percentage of 81%. We can't let that happen. And unfortunately, I'm not very surprised. You know, when you're playing against Jake Fromm and Taylor Heineke and Zach Wilson, even those quarterbacks had some success in exploiting the Eagles secondary. And I'm just really worried that our linebackers aren't going to be able to keep up with Tom Brady and what he's been able to do. Listen, the Bucks have Chris Godwin out. Leonard Fournette isn't going to be playing. Um, Antonio Brown is, I think, cut from the team at this point and going on podcasts and just causing all sorts of drama. Honestly, I actually think that actually sort of plays a little bit into our favor here. Um, But I'm just not very hopeful. I mean, maybe some of these backups in Tampa Bay don't have the same amount of chemistry that some of those other starters did with Tom Brady. But I think I share a lot of that same sentiment for you. You know, I was looking at um, the stats for the last game. Did you know that we only rushed the ball one time in the first half of last game? One rush. So that's and when Sirianni like, was getting crushed by the fan base for just like for just not just throwing the ball and not, and and just not giving the like confusing the defense at all. It was it, yeah. 
Sorry, that was a that was a bunch of gibberish that I just said right there. But yeah, that was when uh, Nick Sirianni was not the best friends with. Uh, no, with listen, we, I mean, I was at the stadium. I was at the stadium with Patriots Chris, who's a Tom Brady's fan, uh, Tom Brady fan, and we were screaming, "Run the ball!" Even Chris was screaming, "Run the ball!" Like it was insane. One running, and and like even like thinking about it, hindsight being twenty twenty, um, thinking about how much more of an impact we could have had during that game would would have been awesome. So I think you know the, the keys to success is we need to establish the run early, and we also need to make sure that we're getting down the field and scoring points. I don't want to see a whole lot of ballsy fourth down going for it moves. Like, let's just get some points on the board, and let's hope, let's literally hope that our defense can hold Tom Brady to a realistic game. You know, as far as completion percentage, it was an anomaly, but I think the anomaly from passing yards was not against the Eagles. I think it was 230, 237 or something like that. It was a very realistic game for Tom Brady. So hopefully um, we're not we're not getting into, you know, setting another 400 yards uh, the last time you saw the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Um, I also think another key to success is going to be getting Devonta Smith some action. Um, listen, this is a high-pressure game. This is where his college career was defined in big moments. We need to make sure that we are trusting our guys. Hertz has been throwing the ball a lot more the last few weeks. He's been establishing his presence as a pocket quarterback. And I think if we want to have success, establish the run early. It's a proven formula that's going to work. Do not try to outsmart the other team, Sirianni, because Bruce Arians over there licking his chops. Hopefully our defense can hold it and get the ball to Devonta Smith. He's better. He's better. He's better. He's better. And this is where his college career has been defined. As far as a prediction, unfortunately, I think the Eagles, again, are going to have a slow start. I think eight and a half points, which is where the Eagles are as an underdog. As of right now, this conversation is a little bit generous. Um, Two possessions is a little bit too much for me. I say Eagle 17. Unfortunately, the Bucks twenty three. I was kind of hoping you would like be fighting me on this, Andrew. But we're both aligned that the Eagles are most likely going to going to lose this game and get bounced. I had a, I, I do just want to uh, chime on two quick fun facts for you. So you said that Tom Brady uh, threw for four hundred yards. He threw for five hundred and five yards in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, which is oh my just, god, not to be like oh you're wrong. It's just like that is absurd that he did that and we still won that game. <laughs> That's insane. And, it's so and insane. Then, Chris, I have a trivia question for you. Not that this is Tampa Bay Buccaneers knowledge necessarily. It's more Tom Brady. But how many wild card games has Tom Brady played in in his career? Uh, I want to say one or two. Wow. Oh, okay. So this wasn't as surprising as I thought. He's only played in five. And being that he's been in the league for <laughs> 20 something years, I would have I would have guessed over 10 easily. But that just goes to show you how many years that team just clinched the bye and therefore uh so he's three and two uh in his wild card career so uh i was actually expecting you to say zero um just because (laughs) the pats have had so much success and like they're in a division with the bills dolphins and jets um i was expecting they always won the division and wild card weekend was never a thing i was on tom brady's radar so i would have gotten that question wrong as well honestly i think the jets were probably those teams that were win. like i i think mark sanchez is team was like 13 and three or something like I, I I they definitely won the division that year so just kind of uh, funny how that stuff works you, out you have such a weird fascination with the Jets last week was Chad Pennington now we're talking about Mark Sanchez really bizarre all right Chris not to leave you on hold any longer <laughs> let's hear your predictions for this week 
What are things you're looking forward to? What are a few things that worry you about coming into this weekend and some score predictions? Yeah. So you guys touched on a a lot of great points. I can't really follow up on that, but you're right. No, a B no, uh, no Godwin. We got Gronk. We got Evans. We got a track star. We got a running back that got a pulled hammy a couple weeks ago. We got Bernard Perriman, who was on the Browns, on the Jets, on the Bucks, lit it up with James Winston. You know, the thing I'm most worried about is is Mike Evans going to come out to play? Like he can come out yeah. when when he's not shadowed. He plays well. He hits he hits the zone. He gets the ball. He makes catches. But when someone covers him around the field, like the guy on the Saints, he gets nervous. He stops playing as well, and Tom Brady can't find his his guy. The last matchup against the Eagles, he had two catches for under 30 yards. Wow. That same game, Godwin only had ca- three catches for like 40 yards. So the main contributor to that game was Antonio Brown for nine catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. He was the he was the one caught the third down catch to, to seal the game instead of giving the ball back to the Eagles to, to have another shot at coming back. The fun fact here, Gronk was not there. Gronk did not play in this mm. this matchup, which is pretty huge because you had OJ Howard instead. But Gronk and and Tom Brady, t- their connection together is just unstoppable. And if you don't, like you said, Alex, if you don't have a, a linebacker that can cover Gronk, he can he can eat you apart. He was having fun out there last week, and he sc- he had like 120 yards. Like that's that's easy for him. <laughs> and a five hundred thousand dollar bonus that hit because Tom Brady refused to leave the game. And let me just tell you, <laughs> that is some goat stuff right there, man. <laughs> like that is awesome. He's like, you know what? Hold on, Gronk. I'm gonna go earn you a five hundred K paycheck and then I'll take myself out of the game. Nothing but respect for that power move whatsoever. One hundred percent. I think I'm actually my prediction's a little closer than your guys. I'm saying twenty four twenty one bucks. Okay. Only thing I'm saying that because the Bucks have not done that well against the rush. Um, when the other team is running the ball, like the Panthers ran all over the Bucks last week for some reason. Uh, Hubbard was is getting wide open touches, 15 yards down the field. If you give Miles Sanders that that kind of look, he's gonna take it and he's gonna he's gonna hit the hole. Jordan Howard will hit the hole. Ward will hit the hole. We gotta watch out. But the only good thing about that is. We get Levante David back, hopefully. That's that's still a question mark. But you do get JPP. You do get Shaq Barrett. They're coming back healthy. They haven't played in about four weeks. They're coming back fully healthy, ready to go. Vita Vey, stuff the middle. Golston, he's going to be right there with them. Adam Kinsu, another name. No Richard Sherman. He won't be there. He's out for the year. But we got all our corners there, all the linebackers. I think it's just going to be a close game. I, I see the Bucks starting slow, like last season. They start mm. slow against uh, good teams um, in crucial in crucial moments. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I just I don't have that much faith, you know. Yeah, I listen. actually. Yeah, go, go ahead, Alex. Andrew. I was okay, just going to say, I, I you know what? I'll go. Uh, <laughs> I you know, you know how these things go. There's just like that that half a second delay that's just enough to just throw everything just the hair off. Anywho, that's, you know, that's, we're doing it live. Screw it. Um, 
I can actually see because the Eagles have had such an issue with scoring early in games, I actually think they're going to reverse the script. I think the Eagles are going to get an early lead. Like I honestly think the Eagles are going to start off with like a 10 to nothing lead. And then I think it's just going to kind of be downhill from there. So if that happens, I'm just going to bet the shit out of the Buccaneers after that point. And then it's just like, you know, whatever happens, I'm, I'm going home a winner. No, I'm just joking. I want the Eagles to win. And is that betting against your team? I don't know. Whatever. I don't play by those rules. Money, you know, money's money. But I just, I, I do feel like that, I, I don't know. I could just see it happening. Like, finally, the Eagles jump out on front. They finally get that lead that we've been hoping for or just starting games off, you know, quick. And then it's just like, oh, and that's when we actually end up losing. So, Alex, what were you, what were you going to say yeah, before no, I really I mean, cut you off? I- no, I, I actually really appreciate Chris's insight in the statistics that he shared. I, I didn't realize how unproductive um, Godwin and Antonio Brown were. And we did do a good job of stopping the run that game. And AB, their only real highlight in that game, did come down to I, – I don't want to say it was a fluke third down because Tom Brady has had a career of big moments like that. But I remember watching that on the big screen and it was like – barely went through the defender's hands and like he swiped at it and it was like not even a second too late. Um, it's funny after Chris's analysis, I actually feel a little bit more confident that we could make a pretty big impact. Um, really exciting. It's going to be a Sunday one o'clock game followed by the Cowboys. So I'm pumped. Um, I owe my wife a lot. It's actually our anniversary weekend and we canceled all of our plans so we could sit home and watch football. So, um, I'm just telling all my listeners, my wife is the absolute best. Uh, we're going to have to find out some concessions in doing that. I see some massages and some spa days in, um, in my near future. Um, but awesome, man. Yeah. I just want to point out one more thing you had said. Uh, Devonte, what's his name? Smith. Devonta Smith. You think he should blow up? I think Dallas Goddard is their guy that will and should take over the game, take over that middle of the field. Devin Devin White is not the best covering covering linebacker. So if he can get the best of Devin White, I do think Dallas Goddard will win that matchup, and I think he should blow up to get the victory. I don't Devonta Smith. He's good. He's quick. He's got good hands. I just, I don't know. It takes a lot to get the ball to him. Chris, I'm actually glad you said that. I I meant to make mention of, I think Goddard is going to have to be like truly probably the, the most featured part of, you know, outside of the run game, but definitely um, I think Goddard is, is a place that they need to look offensively to try to just have some sort of mismatch, some sort of opportunity there. Uh, anyway, Chris, it's been so awesome having you on the show. Uh, you know, Alex, I'm so glad that you keep bringing uh, guys named Chris onto the show to talk to us, who all seem to have this weird connection to Tom Brady. I don't know what it is, whether they like uh, New England or whether they like Tampa. But no, Chris, seriously, we love the insight. I hope that... Um, I was going to say, I hope that we can talk to you again, but I don't know when that would be, honestly. But if Tampa Bay makes the Super Bowl, actually, and the Eagles do not, would love to have you back on the show. So anyway, uh, thank you once again, everyone out there for listening to the Afterthought Podcast. We will be back next week to talk about, hopefully, by the grace of the sweet Lord of victory. Uh, it would be unexpected, at least for Alex and I, but maybe not so much for for Chris. I don't know. But uh, anywho, have fun, everybody, this weekend. 
Enjoy the playoffs. Go Birds. Talk to you next week. Yeah.